following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. And I want to invite you to come on up. Let's welcome him this morning. Thank you. What a great group of people you are. Uh, My name is Ed Lewis, and I've got a couple of different locations. I actually have a house. It's an A-frame house outside of Winona Lake, Indiana, Warsaw, right down the street. That's, by the way, how I know Jordan Buck. I had, I mean, I was teaching classes in youth ministry, and Jordan was a part of that. What a sharp guy, all the way through the years. So we've always, so it's been exciting to see what God's doing in his life, what the ministry is, what's going on here in this church. And then when he goes away to a marriage retreat, he says, Ed, uh, I'm going to be gone, so I'm glad to be able to come this way. Let me tell you, I've got this. I've got this area, and I've lived in uh, the Warsaw area. I taught at Grace College and taught at Grace Seminary. Actually, there's a ministry there. It's called CE National. It's a church effectiveness ministry, and we do a lot of things to help churches. We do things with children's ministry or youth ministry or senior adults and all kinds of things. And so one of the things that we did a number of years ago, we did something in the inner city of Philadelphia. We were going to go to Chicago, but somebody called us up and said, I'll tell you what, we're a church, we're closing, and we'll give you our facilities if you are talking about developing a training center for people in an inner city. And they said, why don't you come over here to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all the way over in the East Coast? And they said, we'll give you our facilities if you would do this. And I just said, well, we will check this out. Well, let me tell you, I've been living in a beautiful area. I love Winona Warsaw area. I love this area. I love the drive up right, you know, the fur road and all the rest of it as you're going up to South Bend or wherever you go. Go by your church a lot of times. I don't know if you've ever felt this in your own life, but there was a period of time where I felt like, you know what? I'm connected to church. I'm connected. I'm following the Lord, but I'd like to do something that is even stronger. I just feel like the older I become, I want to do something to make a difference in people's lives. And I talked to the CE National Board where they are connected, and they said, well, you know, we do have an inner city ministry in Philadelphia, and you could move over there and do CE National Ministry from Philadelphia if you would like. I said, well, let me try that. And I moved over on the corner of A and Tioga, got an apartment over there. We are the highest concentration area of Philadelphia. We're the highest concentration of illegal drugs anywhere outside, anywhere on the East Coast. We are one of the poorest areas on the East Coast. Uh, there's trash everywhere on the streets. The, we're row houses. Um, these are people, Latino community, primarily people from Puerto Rico. The music at night, boom, da boom, da boom, and the cars as they go by. And you know what? I've been living there now for eight years, and guess what? I love it. 
I'll tell you why. Well, they say, no, you like drugs. No. I'll tell you what, I know all the drug dealers. They know me. In fact, I took Eddie to lunch a few weeks ago, and he's out there. He's 23 years of age. And I said, hey, let me take you to Chick-fil-A. And he came up. I said, what's a Bible? And I said, I don't even know what a Bible. I don't even know what I believe. I've never been to church in my life. Don't know anything. I can tell you story after story. But guess what? God is in the business of changing lives. And my goal in my life, and I want it to be the same for you, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. One of the greatest things that you can do in your life is pour your life into people. Watch a little bit of a video, and this will give you the context of where I am. Let me tell you, it's incredible. You know, you saw that cat. You, she's in the story there, Katina. Uh, she was one who used to sit on the corner right there by our church. She'd be out there smoking her weed and all the rest of it. And I'd say, hey, cat, why don't you come to church? And pardon my saying this, but this is what she would say. I'm not coming to your effing church. Don't you know that I'm a lesbian? And you know what I said to her? God loves lesbians. And you know what? I said, I want you to come to church. And when her daughter did invite her to come to church, and she came with her friend, Sandra, you know what our church did? We hugged her. And we said, we're glad you're here. You know what? She started coming to church. We have open microphones in our church on Sunday mornings. People can come up. And by the way, this morning, we have two people that preach every Sunday. One of the guys preaching today is a guy who dealt drugs for a whole lot of years, and He's just, his whole life has turned around. Oh, my word, incredible stuff. But what is happening? You know what? She came to church, and I'll never forget, she would come to church week after week after week, and we would love on her. Here would be Kat. We would love on her. I remember we have prayer meetings in my place every morning, and we just have groups of people that would be together. And I remember I said, let's just concentrate our prayer today on Kat. Could you imagine what would happen if Kat gave her, gave her life over to Christ? She has such an impact in the community. Everybody knows who she is. I said, she's so strong. You know what? We prayed for her that afternoon. Knock on the door. Here it is. Kat says, hi, Kat. What's up? And she said, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to Jason. I said, what, why? She said, I give up. I want to turn my life over to Jesus. I said, you do? I said, well, let's make a memory. Like I said, here's what we'll do. So why don't you get down on your knees? Why don't we fall right before this? And why don't you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I'm willing to make changes in my life. And I'm willing to turn. And she did. It was incredible. Sunday morning, we had the prayer time again. And we, she came up with open microphones and says, hi, church. My name's Pat. Everybody knows I'm a lesbian, but... This week, I met a man, and I'm in love with him. He said, his name is Jesus Christ, and he's the Bob. You know, everybody's got I said, where's Sandra today? She said, she's gone. I said, wow. I said, where'd she go? She said, she moved out. I said, who told you to do that? She said, Jesus. She said, if you had concentrated all your efforts on changing my life, I promise you I would have never come to Jesus. You love me right now for who I am. And you taught me the truth of the word, 
and you taught me about Jesus, and that's what made me see that my life is wrong. You know what? She's a follower of Jesus. We had a triple wedding not very long ago on one Sunday morning. Everybody had been living together. Kids gave them away. And they came up. We had some different times. You saw a couple in there. They talked about that they were they both wearing green shirts. And they have two sons in prison. Interesting stuff. Both, one at 17 years of age, one at 19 years of age. Both separate cases. The kids were dropped out of high school, were drug dealers, and murdered somebody. So Raymond and Brandon, both separate cases of drug dealing and murder, and are in the prison for the rest of their lives. Incredible. They felt like they were failures parents. Well, they were doing drugs, and they were living that life too. Guess what? God changed their lives. And not only did God change their lives, but their youngest son was still at home. Isaiah is one who graduated from high school last year, straight A's in school. What is the difference between the two that are locked up and the one that isn't here? Jesus. What is the difference? That, see, here's what you need to understand. I'm not telling you anything new. But in 2 Corinthians, it says this. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Are we seeing it enough? Do we need to understand that God is in the business of changing lives? I could go on and on, but let me tell you, I do have an outline and I do have a time schedule. So I do need to move ahead. So if you want to follow along, you can even see this. But I don't know if you've ever felt like you were overwhelmed with everything in life. You ever felt like you were overwhelmed? Let me tell you, there's a man in the Bible by the name of Jesus who had every reason in the world to be overwhelmed. Matthew chapter 9, in the first book in the New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Matthew, the first book, chapter 9. By the way, we have to explain that all the time, and we're in Urban Hope, because they don't know what the big numbers are. That's a chapter. What's a little number? What's that called? A verse? I remember talking to Helen, and she said, she turned her life over to Christ, and she said, I can't believe I've got to go out, I've got to find a bookstore. I said, what do you have to buy in bookstores? She says, I've got to find, buy two new books this week. I said, you do? She pulls out a piece of paper. What are the books? She says, book of Matthew and gospel of John. <laughs> I said, no, those books are in the Bible. <laughs> what do you mean those books are in the Bible? My Bible is a book. I said, no, I said, they call those books. What, that page is called a book? Why do they call it a book? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know what, I said, this is how it is. And you know what, they're all fresh. But look, if you would, at Matthew chapter 9. And we're not even going to read this chapter. All I'm going to do is I want you to just gander through the chapter. Look, if you would, what Jesus faced when he was up, he was beginning his ministry. Verse 3, at this time, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Look what they're doing to Jesus. Look if they would at verse uh, 11. It says, just kind of look at verse 10. While he was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were with him and his disciples. And the Pharisees said, they asked him, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Starts getting criticized. Verse 14, look if you would. It says, you'll see down there. And John's disciples came and asked, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples are not fasting? They're not following the rules. Look if you would all the way down, oh, let's say verse 20, 21, 23. 
It says, let's look down here. It says, and Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw that there were flute players and noisy crowd. And he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And then he went in and brought her back to life. Look, if you would, at verse 30. Here it is. Jesus heals people. He says, and it says in verse uh, 30, here it is. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the place. I would be frustrated at the society. What are you doing? Jesus is out there. He's got a plan. He's got action. Then look, if you would, at verse 34. But the Pharisees said, it's by the prince of demons that he, Jesus, drives out demons. I don't know about you. I feel like you get to the point, you say, give up on this crazy world. Give up on these people. Give up. It can't change. You look about what's going on in the United States, and you say, give up on them. Jesus, amen. Come, Jesus. And I'll tell you what Jesus did when he looked out. And he saw all the problems. Look, if you would, and you can put this up, verse 36 and 38. Look what Jesus said. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know what Jesus wants? Jesus wants us to do something about this. What he wants us, us, to do something about this. Well, let's give it over to the government. Nothing wrong with the government. They're doing something about it. Great, if they can do something. But he's saying the answer is people as you're looking at this. Here's what it is. What do you do with the crowds? A, he saw the crowds one person at a time. He saw the crowds and he looked out at them. And you know what it was? He was sensitive to their hopelessness. And look what also. He's seeking laborers. He said, don't you understand? They're not just people in Philadelphia that are bad. Oh, and there are. I mean, we're in a dark, dark place in Philadelphia. Oh, I mean, I'm not kidding you. I mean, the drug deals literally go right outside of my door. Right outside the door. I mean, there are a lot of young people. They don't, I was talking about that the other day. I said, you know what? I used to have a paper route when I was a kid. I said, I remember I said, you don't have paper routes anymore. Nobody gets papers. I said, and you know what? I said, even in the inner city, I said, the kids can't get jobs at McDonald's. They can't, there's no jobs in the inner city and all that kind of stuff. And I said, so when they want to get money, they have no money to get. And so you know what they do? I mean, I'm not saying it's right. They just go out and somebody says, for a while, uh, why don't you be a lookout for the cops? And so they do that. I'll pay them 10 or 20 bucks an hour. And then pretty soon they're selling drugs. And they're out there selling drugs on the corner. They may not even use them themselves, but they're selling drugs. And pretty soon they're using it. And pretty soon then, after a while, they're in the heroin epidemic and all the stuff that is going on. And you're saying, and the police just say, you know what? You know, there have bigger things to do than somebody else. And they just let it happen. And that's where we live. But you know what? God is changing people's lives. And you can become friends with those people. That's why I could talk to Eddie. That's why I could talk to Indio. That's why I could have prayer with them. He said, you know why? He said, you know why we would come to your church and come to a block party you're having? 
And why? He said, because everybody else knows that we're doing something that's illegal, and you're the only ones that'll walk by and shake hands, learn our names, and ask us to have a good day. Some of you even hug us on the street corners. Said, you notice us. You know what, when my car got banged up and somebody hit something on the side of it, guess who stopped outside? The drug dealers. Hey, Ed, we got the lady that hit your car, and she's out here, and I'm just like, wow. Where did this come from? I was talking to Captain Grant. He's one of the guys. He's at the 24th, 25th precinct over there. I said, my word, I said, I feel terrible. I said, all the Black Lives Matter, they were out yelling at you and screaming at you and all the rest of it. And I don't worry about it. He says, no, no, we're from Philadelphia anyway. They were imported in. He said, but you know who was protecting us? He said, what? The drug dealers. They said, if they get too mean enough, he said, you let us know and we'll take care of them. I said, I don't need you guys. He said, no, he said, it's policemen, you're fair. I said, we know when we're wrong. He said, but you guys are fair with us. It's interesting. It's an interesting place to live. What do you do when the world seems overwhelming? You see, the answer is not in government. The answer is not in a new program. The answer is us. Let me explain something about poor people. What do you do with even all the poor people that are around you? You ever think about this? I want to just show some things. What do you do with the poor? Let me point out Proverbs 14, 21. He who despises his neighbor's sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. It's scripture. He who opposes, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Look at what if you look at the next one. And it says this. You will go on and it says Proverbs 7, verse 5. He who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. And then it says this, he's kind to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he's done. That's the Bible. Here's what it's Proverbs 21. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Proverbs 22 verse 9, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. This is scripture, people. I'm not making this up. Look, if you would, Proverbs 22, 22 and 23. Do not exploit the poor because they're poor, and do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will plunder those who plunder them. Look at the next verses, Proverbs 28. It says, a ruler who oppresses the poor is like, is what, is like driving rain that leaves no crops. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. He who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it, who amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. Look at this. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Proverbs 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's from Proverbs. If you don't think that's it, let me share with you another passage of Scripture that we always think about with Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, you think about this. Look at this passage, if you would. Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49. This is what it says. For this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned, 
They did not help the poor and the needy. Whoa! People, there are scriptures that talk about the fact that we've got to be concerned in our area. There are literally, there are people, an average household of four people that are there making under $17,000 for the entire family. They, they want to do better, but they can't. Okay, you can look at all the government programs that you can do, but literally, what's the answer? Sometimes we come out, sometimes we need to come out and show love to them. We have, I'm telling you one of the incredible things, bad, bad, bad home. I'll tell you one about, I wouldn't even give you the guy's name in case anybody would ever hear that, but just a terrible home. He doesn't even know his dad, his mom. He flunked out of high school last year in his 10th grade. He got all F's, missed 80 days of school. We talked to his mom and said, Mom, he, he needs Jesus in his life. You need Jesus. I know, but I don't want to. Could we help? Could, could you allow him to move in with one of our people at Urban Hope? Sure. Guess what? This year, he's making straight A's in school. He flunked last year. You know what? Jesus is changing people's lives. We got involved. We got involved. It didn't necessarily, we just said, somebody's got to help. You know what? We're in a dark place in the world, and sometimes God puts you in a dark place because he wants light there. Maybe God puts you in a dark place because he wants light there. You know what? Those next door neighbors of yours, those ones that are noisy and difficult, they're yours. Hello? That guy that you work with that's, that's very difficult to work with, it's just, he's yours. God put him in your path. I mean, what are we doing with the overlooked? What are we doing with people that we don't feel comfortable with? We are to reach out. Here's what it is. Believers are susceptible to these three issues. Number one, we're susceptible to delegation. Now, let me explain what I mean by delegation. You delegate to somebody else. Let's get, please, solve the problem for us. Good. But I'm just saying, you know, it also says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14 and following, he said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. I said, you can't hide you make a difference. You can't say, you know, it's fine to have somebody teach it under your kid guitar. That's fine. Or math. But you can't say, raise my kid for me. <laughs> you know, do this. You don't do that. You don't say, my wife is a, it makes me uncomfortable. Would you just take her for the next five years, train her and bring her back? You don't do that. You work through this. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You work through this. We're susceptible to telling somebody else to do it. Yeah, that's okay to have programs, but we need to be involved. Here's another thing we can be susceptible to, and that's drying up. That's what I think was happening to me for a little while. I'm drying up spiritually. I'm losing my vitality. I'm losing my drive. I thought to myself, when's the last time I even shared my faith with a non-believer? When's the last time I went to a non-believer to lunch? I haven't done anything. And I thought, you know what? I ought to be doing something. And here's what it says in Revelation chapter 3. And you know the passage. We're not even turning to that. Where it says, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. And because you are lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. 
God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to be involved. Here's another thing we can also be susceptible to this. Delegating something, you do it. Drying up spiritually, or the last thing is being deceived. It's an interesting passage of scripture. James chapter 1 and verse 22. One that I love. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Thought about that verse. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Hearers only, deceiving myself. You know what? I think it's possible for me to hear the word so much, listen to Christian radio, listen to stuff, go to church, that I think I'm doing it. I'm hearing it, and I think I'm doing it. You can deceive yourself. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I think it's possible for us to think that we're doing it when we're not. And so what have I learned? What have I learned working in an inner city? People, I'm not asking you to move to the inner city. I'd love to see you come over. We do have training programs, and we'll teach you. We'll teach you how to fish is what we do. We come out and we teach people to do this. We said, Jesus said, leave your nets, and I'll teach you how to fish for people. F stands for friend, uh, friendly. Say friendly. Okay, so you know what we do? We teach people to be friendly. Say again. F stands for? Friendly. I stands for initiate. Say the word initiate. You start the conversation. You be friendly. You initiate the conversation. S, listen to people's story. Say the word story. story. Listen to somebody else's story. Listen to them. Don't just give them your story. Listen to people's story. And then H, teach them how to hope in Christ. Say the word hope. What it is when you talk about hope, that means that you can pray with people. You can let them know. So that's a will on teams that will come out. They'll say, go in the streets, wear the green shirts that we have. Go out to the new neighborhood. You'll be scared to death. But you know what? You're going to see the people. Just be friendly and say, hi, how are you doing? What's going on? Listen to their stories. Find out where they work. Find out what's going on. And you know what? Say, you know what? There's, you have a, we have a church. We have a program down here. We'd love to see you learn about Jesus. Is there anything I can pray for you about? And you know what? I say, you'll see life change. Now, let me tell you what I'm learning. How can we impact the overlooked? First of all, be a refreshment. You've got to be a refreshment. You can't be gloomy all the time. You're going to have to be somebody. How did we reach out to Kat? We were somebody who talked to her. We said, hi, you've got to talk to your neighbor. You know, I mean, you're going to have to be a refreshment. Say hi. Here it is, not only that, but build relationships. What is relationships dealing with this whole thing? When we talk about build relationships, even with the drug dealers, even with the people that are difficult to work with, build the relationship with those people to the point that you can say, what's going on? That's what, I didn't know that Indio's daughter had just been killed in, a, in an automobile accident. I mean, he's a drug dealer. And I said, Indio, I said, you look down today. I said, how you doing, man? I said, I know you're doing wrong stuff, so I don't want to see that. I said, but I'm just telling you what's going on. He said, I'm hurt right now. I said, why? He said, my daughter was just killed in, a, in an automobile accident last week. And he said, and I've had a bad background. He said, I was locked up for a couple years anyway, and I wasn't around for a life. I said, can I pray for you? No. 
said, why not? He said, right now, I don't know what I think, but I think I'm mad at God. I don't know what I want. He said, I'm just hurting. And I said, Indio, I said, you know what? I may not be able to pray for you here on the street corner, but I'm going to pray for you back there. I said, with a group of people. He said, that's okay. Go ahead and do that. Why? People, they're all over people that are hurting. You know, Billy Graham always used to talk about that. He said, probably 97% of the people that you run into need friends and feel like they're, they're alone in life. Yeah, think about this. Be a refreshment. Be the somebody who's reaching out. We have answers for Christ through this. Here it is, respect them. In spite of their, just be the one who is at least being willing to respect the people, just to be able to, to love them. And remember whose you are. You belong to Jesus. Don't give in to their sin. Don't compromise on the truth. And be somebody who is being willing to reconcile people to Christ. When I talk about reconcile, let me tell you just a little bit of a story. It's been a few years ago. But as I said, I lived here and went on like Warsaw area. You know what I decided? I thought, you know what? I need to get to know my neighbors better. So I talked to them and I talked to Scott and, and, and his wife and all. And I said, hey, listen, I said, can I take you guys out for pizza? Okay, what for? I said, I just want to get to know you a little better. I know who you are. I said, no, but I just feel like I'd like to hear more of your story. My next door neighbor. I said, listen, I'll buy him. He said, okay. I think he was afraid I was selling him. Wait, nothing wrong with that. But I just said, no. I said, I'm not here to sell anything. And nothing wrong with selling. I just said, or insurance or something else. And I said, no, I just wanted to get to know you better. Okay, I said, to tell you what, Warsaw Pizza Hut, I said, they have a buffet on Tuesday. And I said, I'll take you there on Tuesday. I'll, I'll even drive. I said, I'll come by. I said, okay, that's good. Came by on Tuesday, went out to the buffet. And it was good for me because normally if I'm eating out, I normally thank God for the food. And they didn't. They just went up to the buffet and started eating. And I just thought, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, halt? You know, we needed to pray. And I thought, I'm not going to do this. So, God, you know, I'm thankful. So I'm eating. Uh, so I will do this, and I thought, okay, it was good for me. But you know what I said uh, to his wife? I said, hey, can you tell me a little bit of your story? She said, well, I met Scott. and said, we, we had been at some place, I don't know what it was, and met him, and says, and it was kind of a bar, and says, and it was fun, and says, and I, the rest is history. I said, maybe a little longer than that. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more of your story? She told me how she lived at Elkhart, and how her background was tough, and how she'd grown up and a background in abuse and a lot of difficult things. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear this. I listened to her story. I said, what about you, Scott? What are you he says, well, he's played basketball. I dropped out of school. He said, when I was a senior. And I went back and finished and got a GED and I got all this stuff. And he said, I've been drunk tough. And I said, okay. I said, I just didn't know. And I told him my story. I didn't go into the gospel. I didn't go into, I said, but my dad had been a pastor and and I'd been in Philadelphia years ago. I said, my folks didn't even know they passed away years ago. I said, so they don't know they even lived in Philadelphia <laughs> later on. But I said, I had just told my story. And I said, and I worked for a Christian organization out near Grace College. And they did that. And so I said, I was just going to say, and I, I said, hey, I said, you got to come to church with me. He said, I'm not coming to church. I hate church. <laughs> Fine. He said, just real strong. And I said, that's okay. I said, I just want to get your story. 
about 10.30 at night, I'm sitting in my place. Somebody knocks on my door, back door. And I thought that was different. And I thought, who's there? And here it is. And Scott and his wife were there. I said, guys, I said, what are you doing over here? I said, we want to talk to you. I said, okay. I said, uh, we weren't really honest with you tonight. And, you know, see, Stephen is not really ours. I used to have had another relationship with another guy. I said, oh, that's all right. He says, well, you're kind of religious, and we felt like we better write it straight. <laughs> you're forgiven. <laughs> I didn't tell him to do 20 Hail Marys or anything like that. Okay. But I think a lot of people, they do Catholic backgrounds or something. I don't know. But then Scott said, and I want to apologize to you tonight because you had invited me to church, and you said, and I was real harsh. He said, I was hurt by a church years ago. He said, but... Uh, he said, I am curious about God and a lot of stuff. And he says, I feel like there's a lot of questions I have. He said, I don't, I don't want to go to church right now. He said, but I'll tell you what, if you're ever interested, he said, I'd like to ask questions of you about God or something like that. Would you ever be open for that? I said, you got it. So let's get together next Tuesday. I said, we don't have to go to a buffet. You can stop over the place and we can do this. And guess what? We started meeting. And guess what? Scott is one who's now a follower of Jesus and going to a church. You know how it started? Because I listened to somebody's story, and I was trying to reconcile them to God. You understand? That's your role. Here's what I'm learning. What have I learned working in, in their city? Number one, I am very blessed. I'm very blessed because a lot of people have it a whole lot worse than I do. And they don't have homes, and they don't have love, and they don't have the relationships. And I, and I want to say thank to God for that. But I need to be thankful for what I have, and I need to say, what, is there anything I can do to reach out to somebody else? Here's another thing that I understand, that all people are sinners. I am two people. I may not be doing drugs, but I'm proud and I can get angry like the best of them. And I can sin just as much as anybody. God calls us all sinners. He doesn't label and say that sin is going to be the one that's going to send you to hell because that's deeper than that sin. We're all sinners. None of us deserve God in our lives. And I think we need to understand that. And here's another thing, that people without wealth make the best neighbors. A friend of mine, he's written a book, a phenomenal man, his name's Francis Chan. He did it, he used to be up at uh, Simi Valley, California. We had him at our youth conference a number of times. And you know what he did? He downsized his house. He said, you know what, nothing wrong. He said, I loved in the house where I was, but you know what, when I live out here, he said, my neighbors are hard to reach. He said, because they're too wealthy. And I want to downsize my house and live where the people live. You know where we live? In the neighborhood in Philadelphia. We're in the neighborhood. Why? Because that's what Jesus did and he identified with the people. And I, you know, let me tell you something. The longer I live, and believe me, I'm old. The longer I live, stuff doesn't matter. Stuff doesn't matter. What do you want, another toaster? <laughs> what do you want this year for birthday? I'm just like, what? I don't know. Where are you going to go? You're gonna... Life is not all about comfort. Life is not all about stuff. Life is about people. 
and people whose lives you can impact. That's where joy is. That's where it comes. It's when you're impacting another person's life. People, that's more important than any other thing. And so people with the wealth, I mean, you're looking at nothing wrong with reaching out to wealthy people. But Jesus said, wealthy people are going to be hard to reach. Why? He says, easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. It's hard. Well, then who can be saved? God says, with God, all things are possible. But what are you doing going out? You know what we're discovering? We go out to the poor people in Philadelphia. Guess what? Omar's got a phenomenal job right now. And Lenny's got a phenomenal job. He's now a bank, uh, bank executive. And guess what? They came from the roughest, hardest area. And within one generation, their life is changing. And it's becoming a different name. It's literally, if people could understand, go after the people that are that you would look and say, nah, they don't have any future. Maybe that's what you think. Here's what another thing. Not all hurting people are swindlers. There are some out there. But I had a guy just recently, it's outside of all these. Here it was, and I said, John, what are you doing here? He's been homeless. Hey, you have, a, you have 50 cents, you have change, homeless things, and I... Usually I don't give, but I said, well, if you're out, so you can smoke a cigarette, you can do this. I said, then I guess I don't need to give you money. you got enough money to do it. No, I'm just saying. I said, you know what? If you really need food, I'll give you this. And I do all kinds of stuff. But I would always help John come by. He'd say, Ed, I just can't get a job. I don't know what else to do. And I said, okay. I said, you tell you what, why don't you, do, why don't you wash my windows in my car while it's here? Okay, I'll do that. Come by and wash my windows. Here's a buck. Guess what? I went to Aldi and I saw John. He said, Ed, I almost came to, tried to see you. He said, I hope I'd see you. He says, what? It was over Christmas. I came to a church. And he said, I turned my life over to Jesus. And he says, I can't get a job because I've got, he said, all his seizures. And he said, I can't get the seizure medicine. And it keeps losing a job. He said, but guess what? He says, I'm making it here. I'm getting money and I'm doing stuff. And I said, okay. He said, come and see us sometimes. And I hugged on a guy. You know what, what is it? Not all hurting people are swindlers. There are some out there. But you need to just love on the people. And here's another thing. The wealthy people are sometimes the hardest to reach for Christ. Here's another principle. And all people respond to love and relationships. They do. They respond to love and relationships. Everybody does. Here's another thing. Sinners can change quickly when God gets in their hearts. You know, there's a guy, Mike Yankowski, he wrote a book called Under the Overpass. He's a great, great author. And he and a buddy decided that they were going to go to four big cities. They were going to take their IDs and leave them at home, keep their wallets at home, and see how Christians would respond to homeless people. It's interesting. So he wrote a book about it, and he went to four different cities. He said, you know what I discovered? He said... He said, first of all, I got dirty real fast, and I got real hungry real fast. And he said, I'd hang out around Burger Kings and places like that to get somewhere to eat. And he said, and my beard got ridiculous. And he said, you know how expensive it is to get your clothes washed? And what do you do if you only have the clothes on your back? I mean, what are you going to do? Stand there buck naked and do laundry? He said, what are you going to do? He says, and it's hard. And it's hard to get a job if you don't have an address. And it's hard to get a job if you don't even have a, a place to wake up in the morning. And it's hard to do this kind of He said, and so I looked really bad. And I remember sitting in a Burger King with my buddy. 
and he said, we look terrible and we were hungry and I saw these Christians having a Bible study and he says, they do what everybody else does. He said, they ate their food and they said, oh, don't throw the fries away. They threw their fries away. And they did all that. He says, and I knew, he says, what it was. He says, oh, he said, I can't believe. He said, but what did they do? He said, they had a Bible study, they had a good time, but they never made eye contact with us. And that's exactly what Christians do. Christians never look at people that they think are different. They don't look at the homeless because we're dirty. They don't look at the people who are handicapped. They don't look at the people who are mentally challenged. They just go their own way. And if you're in the inner circle, they love you. But if you're not in, they don't love you. And he said, I learned a lot that God made those homeless people too. And guess what? When Jesus was on the face of the earth, he came down to identify with some of the, and Jesus was homeless for three years. What? Look what he ended up with his life. He said, foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. If you want to follow me, follow me. And when he was on the cross, the only thing he had left was the clothes that he had on his body, and they were gambling for that. And he just said, if you want to follow, it's not about, stuff is not wrong. But people were depending on stuff when there are so many hurting people out there. The greatest joy that you can ever have in life is pouring your life into other people. Why do I say all of this and my time is up? If you're here without Christ, here's what I would say to you. You need to do this. You need to turn your life over to Christ. You may not even understand what it really means to follow Christ, but I'm just telling you, Jesus takes all that sinfulness and he makes us new people. It's not about, here's what it, I said, Jesus offers us forgiveness of sins. He offers us an opportunity to go to heaven and escape from hell. He gives you a purpose for life. He gives you a book to follow called the Bible. He even offers you a group of family members called the church. And you know what? God can change your life. But if you're here as a believer, let me say this. Here's what you need to do as well. You need to open up your eyes and see the opportunities for the people that are right next to you and that you work with them. That relative is yours. Yeah, well, I can't get along. He's open up your eyes, be sensitive, and start a conversation. Start something. It's like, I don't know what to do. Well, pray. And pray and start and let them know you care. Maybe it's a note. You know what I do at restaurants all the time? All the time. Just coming by, I'll say, you know, in just a moment, we're going to have a word of prayer. Is there anything I can pray for you about? There are a lot of people in restaurants that are single parent moms, or hurting people. They've got flexible schedules, and they need somebody to pray for them, encourage them. You know what? I always leave a good tip if I ever ask that, because we want to represent Jesus well. But I do that, and I say, you know what? We're going to pray for you. You know what? People oftentimes will give me prayer requests. Yeah, I've got a relative at home. Or I've got a couple kids at home. And 
having a challenge with them. You know what? Well, we just prayed for you. We left an extra tip here for you because God loves you and there's hope. I remember going out with a group of people from a church one time. There was a lady there. It was near Christmas. And I said, what do you, he says, how we pray for you? He says, oh, don't worry about that. He says, why? He says, oh, I want to go home for Christmas. I don't have enough money. He says, that's it. He says, why, how much is your airline ticket? 120 bucks, and I'll have it. So we don't have, so we just, hey, guys, let's, do we have enough money? Do we want to do this? Yeah. Well, everybody just like, well, I've got enough in there, Norm. You know, we were all talking when she was gone. You know what we ended up doing? We ended up giving her up. By the way, I want to say thanks for your service, and here's $120 as a tip. You know what she did? She, she cried. She burst into tears. She said, where are you guys from? We're from so-and-so church down the street. Really? I mean, are there people like this that do this kind of stuff? Yeah, I says, you know what? I'm going to come to your church. I, you guys, you just... You have no idea what this meant to me today. You know, why? Because there are people that God put in your path. Let me share one last thing. I, you've heard the illustration before. But a grandpop and a grandson were walking on the beach in Maine. True story. And working, walking on some beach in Maine. And they came by and there were a bunch of um, starfish that for some crazy reason got washed up on the beach. No, nobody has an idea. There were millions and millions and millions of starfish. You could go all the time and never see a starfish in an ocean. And there were millions of starfish all over the beach. And a grandpa and a grandson and walking along the beach. And look at all the starfish. I can't believe it. I don't know what it is. And the grandson's picking up the starfish and throwing them back in the ocean. Throwing them back in the ocean. And grandpa says, hey, listen, son. This beach goes on for miles. And I think uh, you can't take them all. He says, grandpa. I may not save every starfish, but I can save this starfish. And it's worth remembering. You may not win everybody in your family. You may not win everybody in Bremen. But there's somebody that comes to your mind that you can reach out to that is in your path. And they're overlooked. Because we feel like, ah, I can't do anything. Maybe God wants you to hear this message today. Because you have a responsibility. Let me pray. Father in heaven right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, I pray that you'll help people here to think of somebody that comes to their mind. And right now, with every head bowed, if there's somebody who came to your mind that you say... I know of somebody I'm going to really focus in on this week. Would you just raise your hand? Put it down. Yep, 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 yep. Others? Yes. Just raise your hand and put it down. Somebody came to mind? Nobody? Yes. Yes. Father, we pray that you'll help each one of us to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. God, help us to reach out, to overlook people. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.